Don't make me turn this podcast around. You're listening to the Reno Dads Podcast. We're dads talking about dad stuff. We're doing the dad thing in the biggest little city in the world, Reno, Nevada. But we're talking about things that all dads and parents can relate to. We'll share fatherly war stories, discuss manly things, and even get into the tender moments of fatherhood. But we want you to be a part of this conversation, so join us and listen in. And be warned, dad jokes ahead. All right, well, welcome to the next episode of the Reno Dads podcast. I'm Jonathan Salkoff, the host, and uh, got a great guest with us the, for this episode. He's, uh, he's been in Reno for a little while. Um, he's going to tell us our, his story about some of the programs he's working with. He's also a dad, uh, and now, I guess, a recent granddad. Is that? Yeah, that's kooky. Okay, all right. Roger that. I, I can't even begin to imagine. So we've got Shane uh, Whitecloud here in the, um, in the studio, and uh, maybe I'll just give you a chance to introduce yourself, give us a little bit of your background, and we'll jump right in. We've we got a couple programs and things that you've been involved in here in the community and also across the region that uh, just are really interesting. I think the dads and the rest of our audience is going to be really interested to hear about. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, well I, where do I begin? Um, my father was in the military, uh, so we moved around a lot. Uh, he joined um, right, right after I was born, um, and he was very young whenever I was born. He was only 17. Uh, and so we never lived in one place longer than three or four years. I uh, lived in Germany, lived all over the United States. Uh, eventually, he, he retired in Texas, and that's where I ended up spending most of my time after he retired. Um, and then I joined. I mean, pretty much every man in my family has, has been in the military. Um, only I was trying to make my dad angry by joining the Navy because he was in the Air Force. And uh, the joke was on me. He just went and did it. All right. So what did you do in the Navy? I was a ship serviceman, so I handled like uh, retail, hair, yeah, supply. Yeah, supply. Yeah. No, I was I was former. I'm former Navy. Oh, there you go. All right. Yeah. So, um, I think they've actually it's not an SH anymore. I think they've actually taken the SH and the SK. Yeah, and they've sort of turned it into logistics specialist LS. Oh, that yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. So yeah. it's uh, it's interesting. It's new. So I did the Navy from '94 to 2001, and then uh, uh, whenever I got out, I kind of lost my way a little bit. You know, I'm. Um, I had a rebellious streak whenever I was younger, and, and I, I guess it wasn't finished whenever I got out. <laughs> um, but I ended up uh, touring all over the world as a musician, singing for rock bands. Um, and that's what led me to Reno, um, back on this site that used to be called MySpace. Um, Whoa, yeah. yeah. Kids. Okay, kids. <laughs> um, I had a website up... Um, and it was uh, promoting the band that I was singing for in North Carolina. And a band here in Reno said, hey, I wish you can come here and sing for us. We just lost our singer. And the band was called Dark Carnival. Uh, really popular metal band in the area. And uh, did a lot of shows on the West Coast and, and in this area. And so I flew down here, um, sang two songs. They said, you're never going back. And they kept their word. I've been here ever since. No way. Uh, what year was that? That was in 2005. Okay. So I've been here for uh, almost 14 years now. Um, but, uh, you know, Dark Carnival is no more, um, our guitarist had passed away and we took a bit of a hiatus and then the drummer and I started a new band called Seasons of Insanity. So we, Seasons of Insanity just hit its 10th year last year. So that's cool. Going strong in that. And then, uh, I've been here ever since I've never lived anywhere longer than three or four years since I moved here, but I got to tell you the mountains and the, the access to everything it's just amazing isn't it yeah i've only been here um myself just over three years my, yeah, and and i have to say that that has 
I mean, even today, I, I skied like this morning. I mean, went up to, you know, Mount Rose, you know, took a couple turns, was up there for, you know, an hour and a half, two hours. And like, you just can't beat that. You know, it's, you know, 30 minute less drive up to the mountain. You get to be on the snow and then you can, you know, just be back here in your, you know, in your podcast studio in, in no time. I've never skied. I, I commend you for that bravery. I, I, my wife loves to ski. Um, I hate the cold. I don't understand the need to go roll around in the snow, but... Yeah. Sit in the snow in the snow lodge and flirt with. You know that that th there's something to be said for that. So there are a couple of programs. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. I'll I'll have to consider that. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So you had a, pr a couple of programs. The reason we re I, I reached out, Shane, because I um I, I noticed that there was a program that you had launched this year called Operation Employee. But I think the origins of that come out of something uh, that you mentioned earlier, the Veterans Resource Center. So maybe we can just start there. I, I mean, I'm a veteran as well. I mean, um, I think that there are a lot of veterans in northern Nevada. I think there's a pretty uh, high population here in Nevada generally, but, um, you know, it's one of the things that I, I've read about Nevada is a very veteran-friendly or at least seemingly welcoming state. I know that that, you know, can kind of vary in terms of how people, you know, sort of survive and, and thrive here. Um, but I'm curious, you know, the Veterans Resource Center is what you mentioned earlier, sort of where you've been working with uh, that group for a number of years. So what's that program exactly? So first, let me tell you, you are absolutely <laughs> right. We actually have the most veterans per capita than any other state in the United States of America. Why is that, do you think? I mean, uh, is there anything particular that drives I people to come here? Twofer. I think the governor announcing that he wanted to make it the most veteran-friendly state attracted mm -hmm. more veterans towards our area. Um, and also accessibility to to the care, mm -hmm. um, because even in Southern Nevada, Nevada, excuse me, they have a, a lot of, of great VA and veteran resources. So throughout the entire state, we have over 300,000 veterans. And then in Northern Nevada alone, we have over 86,000 of those. That's amazing. I had yeah. no idea. I mean, I knew I knew it was friendly. I didn't realize that it was per capita. Uh, oh, it's not the highest. friendly. It's inviting. Yeah. And was that Sandoval? Sandoval who said that, or right. yeah, okay, okay. Governor Sandoval um, started it by saying, "I want to make this the most veteran-friendly state." And and what so so what sort of programs do you think? I mean, sort of made it more friendly or friendlier, or more inviting. Well, um, I I, ju I just think resources in general. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have an amazing um, state agency, um, the Nevada Department of Veteran Services here, mm -hmm. um, that provides several resources to veterans, everything from helping them get connected to care mm -hmm. um, to helping them find volunteer opportunities. Um, and then, of course, the VA system here is, is probably the best in the United States, um, the, the VA medical system here. Um, Lisa Howard, the director, is a really good friend of mine, and I couldn't have imagined anybody better for that position. So um, naturally, putting a Veterans Resource Center here in Nevada made sense. Yeah. Um, we have 16 branches of the Veterans Resource Centers of America. Um, now, there's uh, nine in California. There's three in, um, in northern Arizona, and then there's four. And, uh, or excuse me, there's three here in northern Nevada, 10 in California. We just opened it. Oh, great. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, Primarily, uh, we focus on the homeless veterans. Um, so for the, uh, roughly about a decade ago, I got contacted by somebody who was a program manager for uh, the Veterans Resource Center, and they said, hey, I just went to one of your concerts, and uh, I never realized you were a veteran, and uh, for some reason, one of your resumes crossed over, uh, came across my desk, and I would love to offer you a job. And uh, I went to work as a case manager. No social work experience whatsoever. Okay. But I'm a very outgoing person. I couldn't tell. Yeah, right. I, <laughs> I keep everybody at bay, but, you know, 
Um, so he said, I'd love to, to offer you a position that puts you right up front helping other vets. And um, at the time, I'd never thought about working in nonprofit. Um, I guess like a typical general uh, public, you know, you don't really typically think about uh, nonprofit work until it's around holidays. Right, right. Um, whenever I was given the opportunity, I, I saw it as a way to turn the leaf. And so uh, and it helped me focus, too. Um, you know, I was, I was going through a lot of personal issues in my own life. Um, I had just been diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Mm-hmm. Never knew what that was until I was diagnosed with it. And, sure. Um, and, and, you know, I was, I dropped to 127 pounds. I was fighting for my life and, uh, uh I was in a very dark place. Right. I wasn't sure how I was going to take care of my son. I was going through a divorce at the time. You know, but I knew that I had to step up and be a good dad um, because he was the reason that I wanted to keep doing what I was doing. Um, and so I, I took the opportunity and it's changed my entire. And that's being with the resource center. You've been you know, with them for what now, 10 years almost uh, getting close to. Yeah, that's amazing. So what sorts of um, positions have you worked for? I mean, you said you did case manager for a while. What kind of, what kind of other work did you do? So I started out as a case manager, as a case manager. Mm-hmm. There was only a few of us at the time, and, and which was really crazy because in a state so full of veterans, especially homeless uh, veterans, I think each of us had a caseload of like 78 people. Wow, that is a lot. And, uh, you know, it's also, it wasn't just case management. It was wraparound case management, providing resources, not only getting them housed and brushing our hands of them, we get them housed and we follow up in 90 days as case manager make sure that they have all the tools necessary to continue forward yeah. uh, with independent living because uh, we don't want to see them come back across our desk again you know i mean that's ultimately if, if we did our job well enough we'd be putting ourselves out of work but in a city where there's so much transition mm-hmm. it never seemed to and is the veterans resource center is that a, a non-profit of its own accord like it's, it's so it's its own separate and it's not does it get funding from the government at all or how does uh, that work they, they operate under several grants Mm-hmm. they operate under comes from the VA. Yeah. Right. Like the one in northern Nevada here, we get a large grant from the VA to use towards just specifically housing. Uh, and then, you know, because there are qualifying standards that go along with every grant, um, we have several grants in place so that we can try to make sure that anybody who doesn't qualify for one would be able to qualify for the other. For sure. So all the programs that they manage are somehow kind of funded partially by um – I, it sounds like um, grants, but do they also go out and do private fundraising? How does that? Yeah, yeah. And that's where my next position came into play. Mm-hmm. I became the outreach specialist. Okay. All of the branches. Um, so instead of just being a case manager at this one, mm-hmm. um, the CEO and founder um, Peter Cameron um, said, "You know, you're a very outgoing person. Yeah. We want to use that to our fullest." And uh, and it took some encouragement from the other directors that have known me for a while as well, because they went, "Hey, this guy's the best one for us." So my job is to basically reach out into the general public surrounding all the, uh, the branches that we have and going, hey, you know, can you help? You know, we need help doing this. Like right now, our main focus in northern Nevada, especially with the cold weather, is, is trying to get enough funding to uh, provide emergency housing. Right. So, you know, while the grant covers uh, security deposits and a couple months rent, uh, it takes a little, you know, a week for that paperwork to go through. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just tell them, hey, you have to sleep out on the street for the next week, you know. Right. But the grant doesn't cover the costs of hotel rooms, so it's a catch twenty two. Right, it covers permanent housing, but it doesn't call it. It is temporary, right? So we rely strictly on donations, and that's why we say one hundred percent of the donations that we receive go back out to the veterans. I see. Yeah. We use it towards the emergency housing, work boots, um, socks, underwear, hygiene products, whatever it is that they need. Mm-hmm. The program is it 
headquartered here, or where where is the main where's the main, the main office for the Veterans Resource Center in mm. Santa Rosa? Oh, okay, okay. And um, and how big the how big is the program here in Reno with the veteran? I mean, how many people are we talking about now are engaged? You know, well, do you know? Up until about a year ago or two years ago, we were uh, successfully housing at least five between five to six hundred homeless veterans a year. Oh wow! Um, now it's probably closer to seven hundred. Oh wow! What what percentage do you think that is of the homeless in Reno? Do you know? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Drop in the bucket. Yeah. You know, I mean, if if we we are only allowed to serve veterans because of our grant. Of course. Because they are, and because of who we are. But, um, you know, I can only imagine, you know, how many of those actually step forward and say, hey, I served in the military and I need help. Right. I mean, you know, as well as I do, pride's always an issue. Yeah. But uh, I could say we're probably closer to over 700 this year, um, only because uh, with the rising rental costs, we're seeing a lot of right. homelessness and repeat homelessness within our veteran community. What sort of success stories are you able to tell in the in the community now with th- that particular program? We're going to get to your Operation Employee here in a few minutes, but I'm curious, like, what how, how does a veterans resource sort of uh, obviously measuring success is like we don't want to see this repeat. Right. We want to get them on their feet. We want to get them sort of moving towards a, their goal. How do you guys sort of monitor that? And do you have stories? I mean, I presume that we can go find out about some of these things. I have stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and to be honest with you, it's the reason I still do it. Yeah. You know, I would probably say one in seven are a success story. Um, but that doesn't keep you from trying to help the other six just as much, if not more. Um, you know, I had a, a gentleman one time, I came into work early in the morning, and uh, he was sleeping in his car. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I told him, I said, you know, sir, if you, you know, do you want to come inside? Do you want to talk? And, and he came inside, and he said that he was uh, – staying in his car in the parking lot of the volunteers of men's shelter off of record street. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had just gotten a new job as a security, um, security guard, um, for some company here and it was a night job. And so he got there by the time he got off work, you know, the, the volunteers of men's shelter was no longer accepting people because it was too late in the day. And so he just stay in his car and sleep in his car. But during, um, the, about 11 o'clock in the morning every day, Everybody gets pushed out so that they can clean the entire thing Yes, it's like they have to get out. Coming up and knocking on his window and waking him up. He said some people were asking him for drugs and all that kind of stuff. And so he said, I just need a peaceful place to sleep. Can I please sleep in my car in your parking lot? And I felt so horrible for him. Uh, so I made some calls, and that night I got him into an apartment. Um, sometimes we get that lucky. Some right. Property managers that are like, well, just send us the paperwork whenever you're done. We'll take care of it. Don't worry about yeah. it. And they let him move in that day. And this was one of those situations and uh, we got him taken care of. He was crying, and he's a big guy. Right. This guy looked like the guy off of the Green Mile. And so when he started crying, it made me cry. <laughs> yeah. I'm already an emotional dude. Uh, wow. But yeah. later, guy came into my uh, office, dressed to the nines in a nice suit, had a salted caramel chocolate cake in one hand and a thank you card in the other. And I'm telling you right now, that was the best cake I'd ever had. I'll life. bet it was. Shane, that's amazing. I so love that story. Yeah. Because of that, yeah. goosebumps that I get. Yeah. Yeah, I'm get I'm getting them now. Yeah, so uh, obviously a really fulfilling, uh, satisfying piece of work. I mean, I, I except when when it's not. I imagine that there's a bit of frustration with that. So so tell me a little bit about the Operation Employee. I know that you uh, mentioned that you started that this year. Um, how did that come about from from the work you've done uh, with the Resource Center? So I I was um, I got it into my head whenever I was about 36 years old that I go back to college. Um, got my bachelor's degree in film. And did you do that here at uh, UNR? No, no, I did it online. I, that's the only way I could do it. I was mm-hmm. Yeah. Kids. 
Um, but uh, it's it's actually harder online because I can't raise my hand in class and ask questions. I have to email and wait for a response, you know. Um, and, and communication between classmates is obviously limited. But um, four years for my bachelor's degree, graduated with a 3.92, so I was really proud of that. And then two weeks later, I started my master's because I, I knew I wanted to do my master's, but I didn't want to wait too long because I probably had changed my Right. So I jumped right back into it. It's kind of a muscle memory, too. Like when you're studying and you're studying and, and the best time to go right back to school is, is when you've been like in that kind of mode for academics. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I mean, if you if you start to if you're used to doing, you know, your jobs and then getting home and doing your homework. Right. And you've already got that support system in place. and the habits that you've built from that four years of work. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I jumped back into my master's, um, decided to do business because I was going to open a, a film editing studio here in Reno. And uh, I, I mean, I love it so much, but um, about two weeks into it, I went, you know what? There's a, a serious problem here. Um, and it's because of the rising rental costs and nobody is safe. I mean, my landlord even said, hey, your lease agreement's coming up. We're going to raise it another $500 a month. And I mean, I'm already working three jobs to try and make ends meet. Yeah, yeah. So my wife had to take another job. Um, and, and that's just kind of the way it is, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, daycare alone is, you know, almost 700 bucks a month, at least for us. Yeah. We got lucky, you know? Yeah. So it was just one of those things where it was like, you know, my landlord was like, okay, you're either going to agree to this or this is your 30 day eviction notice. And so we had to agree. Right. You, they have you over a barrel. Right. So that's where we were at. And I looked at it and I said, well, if this is happening to me, it's happening to everybody else too. Right. Um, and, and it was within our veteran community. I, I started to see a lot of repeat homelessness, uh, a lot of veterans that, we had currently successfully housed um, not too long prior are now unable to afford their uh, their rent. And then I even had a family of five um, who had never been in my office before, lived in an apartment complex for six years. Uh, the man was 70% service-connected combat vet. And, um, you know, his the owner of the apartment complex sold it to his brother so that they could evict everybody and raise the rent. And this man never missed a rent payment, nothing. Right. Setting his entire world's upside down. Right. He doesn't know what to do. So, um, and then a lot of new homelessness like that. So uh, our, our homeless veteran population started to climb dramatically. And I noticed that uh, in a large part of it, not in all of it, but in a large part of it, uh, it came down to them not being able to afford the new rental costs. Um, you know, most of them are living off a of disability pay, right. which typically for a single veteran ranges between seven twenty to twelve hundred dollars a month. Um, before I could find an uh, an apartment for five hundred dollars a month, all utilities. Now you can't find a studio for less than eight fifty a month. Right. If right. You're lucky. Right. And uh, you know, if they're making seven twenty a month, they got to choose between putting food in their stomach or putting a roof over their head. So um, I looked at this as an opportunity to start working on the idea for a new nonprofit only i was lucky because i had 12 professors who could help me fine-tune the idea um while i was graduating with my master's and i graduated my master's degree in march um i called up barbara sagaski's office the secretary of state told them what i wanted to do um they were very passionate about it because apparently there's a lot of veterans in their families yeah and so they said send us all the paperwork i sent it to them at 4 30 at night by 8 30 in the morning it was a business um, and then I sent everything off to the IRS to get my 501c3 
23 days later, um, I was a 501c3, which I guess, I, from what I understand, is a record. <laughs> wow. And uh, so, and then uh, shortly after that, we had an office donated to us over on the corner of Ryland and Wells, right next, it's about three blocks from the VA hospital, so it's a perfect location. Yeah, it sounds like it. So, it, it just, things just went boom, 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 boom. Um, and, and what we primarily do is we help military veterans uh, and any transitioning active duty military and then uh, any first re- fire first responders, so police, firefighters, sure. uh, ambulance, uh, into getting into civilian employment. Um, and there's no contracts. There's no fees. It's a strict 501c3 nonprofit mm-hmm. organization. Um, and uh, there's, because of that, there's no qualifying standards. So there's, there's other organizations here in Reno that have a veteran representative. But they're bound by qualifying standards. We can only help those who are 30% service connected. I see. Yeah, I see. Or we can only help those who have 181 days active duty. You know, but what about those guys who have no disabilities whatsoever and they only served six months because they were in the reserves? Yeah. Activated for six months. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to be able to help everybody. Um, and so right now we are 100% donation driven. Um, we are looking into grants. But because we're donation-driven, that allows us to uh, go through all the grants with a fine-tooth comb. Sure. Yeah. That would keep us from helping all that. Yeah. So, so um, what sorts of jobs are you placed or helping them find? I mean, are they going into sort of you know the trades? Are they going into you know sort of you know, white collar? I mean, what's the sort of mix? Everything. Yeah. Um, everything from mom and pop to corporate. Um, I've got um, Tesla reached out to me. Okay. They're hiring um, uh, community out there. Uh, reached out to me. Uh, Panasonic reached out. Sure. Um, and uh, Spectrum reached out to me. Those are the three big ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I've got mom and pops. I've got a, a baker who needed somebody to work overnight and, yeah. and learn the trade. Um, I've got uh, uh, the unions reached out to me. Oh, interesting. With them. Yeah. Um, the uh, pipe fitters union and, and uh, a gentleman who represents all the other unions out there, the painters and stuff. Uh, they all sat down with me and talked about what they're doing and how they have programs to help yeah. that. So. I was on on my aircraft carrier. I had all the pipe fitters. I was all the uh, yeah. I learned how to weld and braze. It was really interesting oh, stuff. I mean, back back in the day yeah. when I was on the aircraft carrier that I uh, I served on. No, well now I'm doing now I'm doing something. Now I'm doing doing all kinds of crazy stuff. So um, it's interesting because I actually um, you know as a as a veteran myself, I took advantage of the LinkedIn program that they had, which was a really nice thing where they would give you a year's um, subscription to their premium service which really helped me actually do some networking, uh, that sort of, sorts of things. And, and also I, um, my personal experience of it, having left the military, uh, I worked for a year or so and then went to get my graduate degree as well. I went full-time for, uh, for my master's. Um, the program that we had was all student-run, which was really like taking your resume essentially and sort of recasting it in more civilian terms. Well, you know, again, these are more white-collar jobs. I you know, got my master's, uh, my MBA. So, you know, that was very much a, you know, sort of um, corporate, you know, sort of, you know, marketing and, you know, finance jobs and stuff like that. So it's an interesting, you know, I, I mean, I know the there's a, you know, there's a, mar- not so much a market, but there's a need for it, right? There's, you know, really these folks who are transitioning from the military. And even the Naval Academy where I went to undergrad, you know, th- we have a transitioning sort of military, you know, people leaving the military and, you know, at all stages, right? You have junior officers who leave after five years, and then you have some very senior officers who leave after 25 years who are like, you know, learning how to, you know, get back into the corporate world. Yeah. 
So I, I'm curious, um, how many people are you sort of working with now on a, on a regular basis? I mean, how many, you know, how big is the program? Well, right now it's, it's still in the birthing stages. Yep. Um, it, it was official in May. Um, we got office space in June. Um, but until we acquire enough funding, we're looking at, uh, I'm kind of doing this all by myself. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have enough money to p- uh, pay somebody else to. Right. I've even got the phone wired up at my house right now so I can answer it there whenever I'm not at my other job. Right. And return calls, but um, you know, I just had two people email me resumes today. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, it's a slow process, but it's one of those things where the more we get out there and help, right. the more we'll be able to do more. Okay, what are you going to sort of look at in terms of you know you're trying to grow the program, so you want to have somebody who can you know obviously work on this full time. What types of um, are uh, well, I guess one take a step back, you know, the donation side of things. How are you uh, fixed for fundraising? How do you go out? Are you going to join out to the community or you, you have like a fundraising page or how do we, you know, cause we, he's kind of doing it for us. We, we are set up on Facebook mm-hmm. on through our website to accept donations as well. Uh, the website's at offemployed.org. Uh, and then on, on Facebook, you can find us at off employ as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, like right now, hash house, a go, go inside Harris, they reached out to me and they said, Hey, we want to do this really cool uh, thing for you guys. And, and I went and sat down with the manager, Nikki and, and, uh, so starting December the 24th, going through January the 1st, they're selling raffle tickets for a dollar a piece okay. every day. She's holding a contest for all of her wait staff. Whoever sells like the most tickets will get like a paid birthday off or something. Okay. And I'm going to kick in something out of appreciation as well. But, um, then we had Sparks Metal Crafters who's owned by a Marine. He kicked in five of his, uh, world famous signs and, and, uh, we put those up for display to be raffled off. Um, Napa Sonoma gave us a really nice uh, mm-hmm. giant gift basket um, that we put in there as well. And uh, several other uh, uh, Keystone Printing um, is owned by a veteran, and he said, I'm going to give whoever uh, wins this raffle prize a, a 100 pins with their own custom logo on it. And, oh, yeah, okay. So really interesting things. Um, but they're all kicking in, and, and uh, these raffle tickets are being sold, and then all the money goes straight into donations. Oh, we'll definitely put a link out on the Reno Dads uh, site for you, so we make sure we get that uh, get that out there. You know, there's a lot of programs in place to help them. I mean, how how are they looked at like holistically? Is there somebody who can kind of like see the whole picture for somebody, or I mean, how did you know how did these folks really sort of find the help that they need? I mean, in order to you know really take advantage of some of the programs that are out there. One of the benefits of doing what I do and what I've done for for the Veterans mm-hmm. Center for so long is that I've had to intertwine with every resource here in Northern Nevada. And so whenever a veteran comes to me with issues that even maybe my program isn't designed to fit for. I can ter- certainly reach out to whoever it is. That yeah. Uh, and that's one of the best things. And there's a lot of translation involved um, whenever it comes to like whenever whatever you did, whenever you were in the military might not translate into something that sounds like it's doable within the civilian industry unless you can take all the acronyms and everything else. That right. Right. And put it into civilian work terms. Um, and, and so that's typically what I spend my time doing is telling people, send me your resumes, let me go over them with a fine-tooth comb, make sure that it's fit for, for uh, uh, presenting to an employer. I have a lot of employers that say, hey, you know what, uh, we just want to hire vets. You know, it's it's a tax break for the employer. Right. Um, uh, from what I understand through the governor's office, there's uh, you can claim a certain amount of the wages that you pay towards a veteran uh, at the end of every year as well. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's a it's a very interesting uh, stance to have because I use it as a bargaining chip. Right. When it comes to it, I get nothing out of it except for pure satisfaction, and hopefully one day be able to expand this into a program that can be 
used in the rural areas and maybe even throughout. Yeah. So, but right now, um, it's it's all under the umbrella. My actual 501c3 is known as the Veteran Development Group Incorporated. Uh, Operation employs the first program underneath it. I see. Aspirations are to open a daycare specifically for veterans um, so that we can address those needs and then a transportation line that can take them to and from their uh, work because uh, I found that whenever you find somebody a new job, there's still barriers in place, and the biggest barriers to overcome are child care and transportation. Well, and for the first time in this state's history, too, we find ourselves upside down. There's actually more jobs available than there are people there. So our unemployment rate is actually dropping again, but not because that we have less people working. We actually have more jobs available. Right. So it's causing, you know, we at one point in time, I think our, our unemployment rate had dropped from like 3.7 to 2.5, and now we're up to 4.8. It's coming back down. There's, yeah, it, it, well, it's going back up. Oh, okay. it's, it's, uh, it, and it's, again, it's because we have so many jobs that are available that aren't. So, you know, each company that reports that empty spot it's now adding to the amount of unemployment that we have. I see. It's, we, you know, we have a good bargaining chip here. We just need somebody, an ambassador that can stand up. Yeah. How does this, um, I, I'm curious, you, you know, we haven't uh, gotten to this, although you mentioned it earlier about being a good dad. So tell me, look, what is the, you know, the, the impact on the way you see fatherhood? I mean, I think you probably meet some of these veterans who are themselves, you know, parents or dads. Um, how, how has it impacted you as a dad to sort of be in this community and working with veterans as much as you have? You know, um, I got to tell you, I have a 23-year-old um, who we were talking earlier just had a baby. So, yes, uh, the G-Paws. <laughs> Better you than me. I'm just going to say it right now. Um, and, and the crazy thing is, is my oldest son, I never knew existed until he was two weeks before he turned 18. So, yeah, it was an interesting story. Uh, my my high school sweetheart reached out to me one day. Uh, I was working at the radio station 11 o'clock at night through Facebook, sent me a message and said, hey, I have something I want to show you. And I'm like, oh my God, I was 19 years. And she's like, she sends me a picture and it's her and her husband of like 16 years. They're two blonde boys and here's this black haired kid in the back. And I'm like, oh God, I couldn't blame it on the milkman. It looked just like me. And I was like, okay, here we go. Blew him down. Uh, crazy thing. I never had a hand in raising him or anything. And he knew that I didn't know either. Yeah. And he didn't know until recently. Um, and uh, he, you know, does all the same stuff I do. Like he wrote music, he played in a band, you know, and nobody else in his, in that side of his family did that. Wow. Um, he's, he, you know, his first words to me were, this all makes sense now, you know? That um, is amazing. Yeah. And, and we're like best friends. He calls me whenever he needs help yeah. and, and we talk it out. I mean, I had that talk with him and told him, if I have to pay any more of your bills, you're going to have to join the military. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> I can't afford to take care of you there and me here. Right. Um, and then, you know, my nine-year-old verse and my uh, now two-year-old uh, cord. And uh, I, the most rewarding experience that you can ever have as a father is knowing and knowing that you're doing the right thing is whenever your child comes up to you and says, Dad, that man right there has a cardboard sign that says he's hungry. Can we please get him something to eat? Yeah. Right. And then we go and we get him something to eat, you know, and my son insists on giving it to him personally, you know. And one time we were coming out of the Aces ballpark and there was a man laying down next to the brick wall on the outside of the ballpark. And Remsa was kicking him in the foot trying to get him to wake up. Can't sleep here. And my son had like three dollars in his pocket from his allowance that I had given him and half a bottle of water. And he ran over before I could say anything. And he pulled the money out and he gave the guy the half a bottle of water and the money. And 
for me as a father, I mean, I just I was beaming with pride. But what made it even more impactful for me was the look on that homeless man's face because it was probably the first time anybody had shown him kindness, and it was coming from a nine year old. Right. Right. So that's whenever, as a father, I went, okay, I'm doing the right thing, and I'm not even teaching him that. He's just watching. Right. You're setting it, setting the example. So. Yeah. No, it's important, and I think um, you know we we're you know Reno dads were trying to you know really, I think expand the conversation around fatherhood and really and this is one of the you know one of the avenues we're doing it in is the podcast we have the you know the website we do the events and we're trying to really um you know be a part of the community that allows for this space for you know constructive and interesting conversations from dads you know from all walks of life i mean we've had some really interesting folks on the on the podcast we have done some really interesting um you know dad spotlights that we're gonna you know start launching in the the next you know couple months and i think the um the interesting thing is is like you said it's not so much what you say it's you know it's what you do the you know the really the the example that you set and the and the life that you lead um and i you know i I can definitely see that you know in the you know in the in the veteran community i mean there's there's just such a a, you know unfortunately it seems like there's such a a need for it and you know in the community like we have now with reno uh, growing the way it is it's it's exacerbating some of that right it's you know it's sort of accelerating some of the problems that you know have existed but now it's expanding it like you said with the repeat um, homelessness that sort of thing that we see um that we really all have to kind of figure out creative ways to solve yeah it's uh it's really interesting because um whenever i before i went into the military and right after i got out of the military i was i was a terror um, especially after get, getting out, um, I was going through some some really emotional things that I didn't know how to deal with, um, and uh, I had turned to drugs and, and you know alcohol, um, pretty heavy, uh, and ended up on the wrong side of it more than once. Um, now, fast forward to you know a year ago, I helped um, the second judicial court write a five hundred thousand dollar grant to start a veterans court, and you know I got recognized as one of the Reno one hundred and fifty. And so, you know, I get to look back on the life that I had and in the past 15 years, how much I've grown just as a, as a man myself and as a father. And I can think that there is no better time in my life to have children than right now. That's awesome. I would have had them then. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I did have one then, but I didn't know about it. (laughs) Roger that. Yeah, probably, probably better for them. Well, Shane, I got to say thank you so much for coming in. This has been a pleasure. I I think the programs you're involved in are are really having an impact in the community. I think everybody, you know, um, who's interested in that, we're going to put stuff out on the the Reno Dads website. We'll make sure links are available. And, um, you know, we'll check in maybe in a couple months and, you know, maybe we'll have you back in. Um, We, you know, we really are excited to have dads who are making an impact in town, uh, you know, and beyond, right? I mean, it's not just Reno that we're going to have an impact on. We're going to send these kids out into the world someday. I think the best thing in the world that you can ever be is a father, for sure. All right. Well, thanks so much, Shane. I appreciate coming in. All right. You've been listening to the Reno Dads podcast on renodads.com. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. Stop by renodads.com and click on Contact Us and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear on our show. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RenoDads. And subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you'll join us here for our next episode, and we'll see you online at renodads.com.